It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. You're very welcome to Thursday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Lots of interesting people to meet for you again this afternoon. Let's get straight to it. I spoke to my first guest today when she published Pain-Free Life, My Journey to Wellness, a book that had a profound impact on so many people, and there were thousands, let me tell you. Talked again when she uh, published My Life Goals Journal. And I'll tell you this, this book that she has out now, I've been through it and back from it and in it and out of it for the last few days. And I absolutely love it. It's Mind, Body, Soul Journal. That's the name of the book. She's a TV presenter, radio host, author, hypnotherapist, grief minister, spiritual director, wife, mum and all round great woman, Andrea Hayes. It's so good to see you. It is always a pleasure to be back and I love being up here. The energy is always great and your smile. (laughs) could light up a whole room. (laughs) Uh, Thanks a million for that. And yours too, let me say. Let's talk straight away about this brilliant book. Um, From the start, when, when you pick it up, you say something, seeking balance and harmony in life. Isn't that manana what we're all after, Andrea? And it's so interesting because sometimes it's the simplest things in life that we need, but we look outside ourselves for so many other things to approve of who we are. And really what happened to me was I did great stuff with my mind. As you said, I studied clinical hypnotherapy and it really helped me manage my chronic pain. I haven't got the cure still. I still have chronic pain, but I helped to get my mindset right. So my mind was in a really good place. My body, I mean, was doing well. As You know, I was looking after that and I still felt something was missing. After Gold's Journal I realised that I could use my mind to get great goals and I came out with Dog Tales and it was a show that I went back to Virgin Media with and we two series and I actually wrote um, a charity book for Dogs Trust, um, Dog Tales as well. So I was manifesting these great kind of achievements and there was one thing I did want to manifest which was a pregnancy and unfortunately I had three miscarriages. So what I decided was I was thinking why am not I happy and I realised I wasn't giving my soul any attention and I think that you need to be in harmony with your mind your body and your soul and all three comes together to make the person the divine unit this special soul signature we all have I can never be you you can never be me and as we all say don't try to be anybody else because your beauty is your uniqueness and when we honour our uniqueness wonderful things happen Now you had the baby I did (laughs) It happened and are you saying to me that 
getting mind, body and soul in sync, you believe, was the reason why ultimately you well, were blessed with your daughter. It was the most miraculous thing because, as I said, I, I even went to get IVF treatment and unfortunately I wasn't even a suitable candidate for that. So there was a lot of things I need to make sense of myself. So what I decided to do was I didn't want to, um, about two years ago, I said, I don't want to lose anything else. I don't want to lose weight. I don't want to lose a baby. I don't want to lose a health. I want to have a mindset of abundance. I want to gain wealth. I want to gain happiness. I want to gain balance. I want to gain abundance. I just want to gain bliss, joyful, you know, everything was to gain. So I, there was no diet for me in January. There was no thought of lack. So where your mind focuses, so if you focus on abundant thinking, you find more abundance comes in, where if you keep thinking, oh, I've no money or, you know, I keep, I, I was thinking a lot about the missed carriages and, you know, all these things. And, and that's where my mind was focusing. Or if you think on the pain, the pain expands. So I was focusing on all of the blessings in my life. And I say to people in this particular day and age, most people are counting their likes on Facebook or counting their followers. I started counting my blessings. It took us. It took a while because it's hard to do every day to wake up and look at the you know look at the world around you and say, "Don't we live in a beautiful world?" And nature's a great teacher. As I drove up here today, beautiful drive. I looked at all the trees and they're you know the leaves are falling. The trees aren't afraid to let the beautiful leaves fall because they know they trust in nature that once again to be bare, you're making space in your life for beautiful buds and seeds to grow again and sometimes when you make a little bit of space for yourself and start to really connect to what you really want in life are you living out your true life purpose or are you just on the treadmill of going into work because that's what you've always done or same, staying with the same friends because that's who you've always been with or going to the same places you know when you give yourself those little bit of time and space to just be a bit more mindful it's amazing what shows up in your life and as you said for me the miraculous thing happened during the two years of writing the book and living the book. I mean, everything I, I've written about, I've actually lived. I've done every, I've done every step, and I've written other bits that I threw away because they didn't work. And during it, I got pregnant, and it was the most incredible thing. And now I have a healthy daughter, and I actually dedicated the book to Skylar Grace because, by the grace of God. I had this miracle baby and I'm so, so blessed. So the one thing I wanted to manifest happened when I got my mind, body and soul in balance and just started to count my blessings. And that soul you talk about is a spirituality. And I meet you again and when I read this next book of yours, I understand even more how deeply a spiritual person you are. In today's world, a lot of people are looking after the body. You know what I mean? Mm. The, the gyms are full at the minute yes. and we're doing our own weight loss programme here on this show. Mind you talked about there and, and how you, you, you think and look on things as well. But is the soul neglected by a lot of people? I think spirituality is lost in a digital world. And I think that what's happened was years ago, we used to, let's say, make a fire. And that was a mindfulness exercise. Many of our grandparents went to mass and even 40 minutes sitting in silence. There's a lot of things we did and, and we're losing that mindfulness, even walking and cycling. Everybody's in the car and all that. Now, my husband, I have to declare, is an atheist. So we live in a family of, I suppose, shared beliefs and we welcome all religions, all faiths. So it's not about God, although I'm deeply religious and I emceed for the Pope, which was a brilliant honour for me. Oh, my God. Here, give me a hand. I want to touch <laughs> your hand for that because I admire that man so I was, much. Oh, listen, I was delighted and I'm, I'm judging with the Jesuits and he's a Jesuit Pope. Mm. So when I was asked to MC in the Phoenix Park, I actually thought it was one of my friends um, 
ringing me to have a laugh, you know. And I said, <laughs> you stop here now. Would you stop making a joke of me here? But it wasn't. And I did it with Bob Conway, who's a great radio and broadcaster and we've worked before. So lovely energy. But as I said, my, my husband doesn't believe in God, but I do. But whatever you believe in, believe in even nature, the universe. There's something bigger than us out there. A power, energy. We are all energy. Like attracts like. So if you're constantly thinking negative, you'll be surprised the amount of negative stuff that comes in. But if you start your day with an attitude of kindness in your heart, I'm going to be kind to myself. So that means you change your mindset and say, you know, I'm going to, my inner critic is going to be asleep today and I'm going to think kind thoughts. Even a smile to the person you meet. Open a door for somebody. What you do expands and suddenly people are kind to you. And what goes around comes around. It's like a boomerang effect. You know, what you send out, I promise you, will come back. It's like karma. Are you listening? Send that boomerang out this afternoon. (laughs) Andrea, let me ask you this, because early on again in this book, something really profound hit me, because you describe your breakthrough moment, Mm. and it involves your daughter, because you're talking and teaching her to make the sign of the cross and trying to explain to her, you Mm. know, what you can about your spirituality and faith. And she says to you, and I quote her, If God is in everyone, then are we God? It was it was an incredible thing out of the mouth of a six-year-old because I was saying, you know, it's the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit and the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, sure, they're all God and she couldn't get it. And I said, it's like an apple, Brooke. Like the skin is the apple, the, the inside is the apple and the seeds are the apple. Or water can be water that we drink, but it can be ice and also it can be vapour. You know the way it goes up. So then she said, and, I, and she said, you know, are we God? And then I thought to myself, maybe that's the mystery of our faith. Maybe our heaven is on earth and maybe we have to have faith in ourselves and if we can have that true faith in ourselves then we are living our divine life purpose so instead of giving our power away go inside so it's an inside out job begin in the inside I mean it doesn't really matter what you look like on the outside because if you feel awful on the inside it doesn't matter so start going inside first making yourself feeling good on the inside and suddenly your outside will just be glowing and like me I mean I didn't want to lose anything and suddenly people keep saying God you look marvellous after having the baby and I feel good you know I feel good I still have chronic pain unfortunately that's an ongoing issue and I deal with that as best I can but yeah it was something it was something that she said that I thought you know maybe maybe if we have our mind our body and a little bit of whatever's in our soul our unique soul signature we all came here I believe with the life purpose that's unique to everybody and even if that's just being a gardener and loving really loving being in your garden or painting or you know doing whatever ignites your light whatever ignites light I'll tell you a funny story I'll share it with you if I can I met the great gay burn so last year was a pretty impressive year. I was very close to Pope Francis and as he walked by me because I was on the stage and then I met Gay Byrne and I actually could not believe it. I thought if I meet Oprah now, my life is made. Although <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say you met the Irish Pope. <laughs> yeah, but this is exactly what I said, right? And Gay Byrne said to me, I received your book today because Gill books are the same as Kathleen's beautiful book, Peggy Ian, which I bought for my daughter. And he said, you believe in the Holy Spirit, you do. And I actually had to say, is this, my, is, am I making this voice up? Is Gabriel actually talked to me? And I said, I do. And I sat down beside him for a brief, you know, few mem- moments. And he said, explain that to me. And I said, 
I believe that when we're inspired, when our whole body is inspired to do something, then then I think the Holy Spirit or whatever, the divine energy of life is is in, is in me. So when I'm inspired, I want to work with the animals. I want to, you know, really highlight animal welfare issues. When I'm inspired, I can write books um, like Pain-Free Life to really help people with chronic pain or the Mind, Body, Soul Journal. And when I'm inspired and I'm resonating with that good energy, good things happen. But when I'm not inspired, I've no energy for anything and I have a bit of a bad attitude towards it. So only you're trying to find out what inspires you, what really inspires you. And when you get that little, you know, energy, it really ignites your your light and suddenly you're shining bright and you're like a beacon. People want to come to you. It's like a moth to a flame. And what you seek suddenly starts seeking you. So perhaps you wanted to write a book and then all of a sudden somebody will say, you should write a book. I know somebody and everything starts to fall into place. So you have to honour yourself first. And so many of us, I feel, are giving away our power to social media. It has a great place in life and it's so important But it's not real. A lot of the things that people put up is not real. So just be real to yourself, be real to you and just go about your day loving yourself first. I can just see Gay Barn popping off with a pep in his step. I'm sure he thanked you for your insight. Oh, and just, the answer to the question. We had a lovely chat and um, I feel honoured to have met him. Now, I want to take a short break. Andrea Hayes is staying with us. I have the book here beside me. It's called Mind, Body, Soul, The Journal. And you do complete this. This is a workbook besides a reading book. Now, let me tell you, I've been in and out of it and look at it and it's doggy. But look, I want to give a copy to somebody out there. And you can complete this. this. You can complete the journal for yourself now. Here's the question. It's very difficult. (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm shocking on this show. I'm very tough with the questions. Maria, she shared the stage with the most famous man, the top man in the Catholic Church. Who is he? Text your answer. WhatsApp it to us now. We'll use that social media. WhatsApp is free. 086-1800-658 for a copy. Let me come back to the book and just say this. In the book, these words really made an impact on me. And I, I honestly think, Andrea, that if people could think about these words, so let me say them. You say, and it's a quote in it, we begin with nothing in this world. We leave with nothing. So therefore, we have nothing to lose. I think that's brilliant. It's powerful when you think of how much we want to attach ourselves to everything. Attach, And I know that's a difficult thing because people are struggling. People are losing their homes. People are losing their jobs. People are losing their health. I understand that. And I, I, I am included in that with my own health is very degenerative. But when you think of lack, you seem to attract more lack. But when you think, I've nothing to lose by ringing up and trying for that job. You know, I've nothing to lose by keep going and looking after something. I've nothing to lose by doing that course. I've nothing to lose by saying to my boss, I feel I deserve this promotion or, you know, going and and asking maybe it's the social welfare for a home or whatever. I've nothing to lose. Have a bit of confidence in yourselves. Set your intention, set your vision, visualise it, whatever you want and go after it. You've nothing to lose by going after it. No, and it's so true that we come in here, where, wherever we come from, I've been talking about this again in recent days with somebody else, you know, we come in with nothing and we leave at the end with nothing and we're running around this world and our lives like busy little bees, you know, mm. as we go along. And sometimes we need to stop and think. 
No, we do. And we need to trust. And we we, we just spoke about gardening there recently. <laughs> and I'm laughing because it was one of my journal extracts in the book. As I said, you take one theme a month and you work on that theme because that's what I did. And <laughs> you have that page open. Hey, come on a minute. Look at that. You have that open and I have this one marked here as well. Well, you know, it's so interesting, right? Because my, I had to say to my neighbour, I have a great neighbour. I've lo- great, lots of great neighbours. But one neighbour, he's always in the garden. He's a lovely man, Crozier, if you're listening. And it's really interesting because he's always in the garden all seasons. And I'm not really a gardener, but I walk my dog every day. And I see him every day and it made me think about, because I was thinking about the trees and what we plant, the seeds we plant now will grow next year. So, you know, the little seeds of those, you know, intentions we have, plant them now and it might grow next year. And to prove the point to my daughter, because I was talking about Crozier doing the garden, I said, like, listen to the ground there, Brooke. Can you hear anything? And I'm not, this is not in this particular journal entry, but I said, and she said, no, I can't hear anything. And I said, just keep listening. Can you, is there anything under there? And she said, no, there isn't. And I said, but I promise you the daffodils are going to come up soon because Crozier has planted them and they will bloom. And it's all about rooting, grounding and centering your energy in and really going into the roots of what you really believe and think about yourself. Um, read that from the, would you read it yourself do you see uh, uh, not the come down midways yes. his garden don't read it from there a good gardener do you see the start of the next line there a good gardener a good, yes. just read that little paragraph to so the this end. is from my journal right and it's about Crozier my gardener and I said a good gardener will tend their flowers and plants by watering them feeding them positioning them in the correct light and burying their roots into the soil for the earth and I had this, see, I'd had a conversation about Crozier about you know where he puts his plants and all sorts right and we never hold the plants suspended above the ground. It seems obvious, but no matter how good of a gardener you are, if the plant is not actually rooted in the ground, it will not grow. In the same way, if I'm not rooted in the realities that are within and around my world, my best plants will not grow and bloom. What a brilliant analogy. But I had to trust that what I, I had to trust in my health. I had to trust in my intentions and think I might not see the benefits today. My life not might might not change today. But if I keep thinking positive thoughts, visualising that house or visualising getting better and trust and trust and trust, that energy eventually will grow. The seeds we put in now, I promise you, will grow just like the garden. If you keep pulling them out, you know the way if you keep chasing them and pulling them out and going, oh, well, I'm not seeing, I'm not losing weight yet and oh, it's never going to happen. Then you lose the intention of trust and belief. Mm. Just to tell them the way this book is laid out, uh, it's month by month. There are 12 chapters in this and each one has a headline and you ask people to work through this yes. in a practical sense. You have your dare of the day, dare of the week and you're great for your journal. You really believe in people writing things down. Yes, there's a little bit of space for writing down, but I also would encourage people to have their own journal. Mm. I have loads of journals because I write, write, write constantly. I'm a writer. But if you're not into writing, there's a little bit of space for self-reflection and self-inquiry. And then I have free meditations on the website. So even if you don't want to go to the um, buy the book, you can go onto the website, andreahayes.ie, and there's a free meditation kind of relaxation. And in that, there's quiet time to ask a self-inquiry question, a soul question. So you might sit with what do I really want for five minutes? And if you find that difficult, just even saying the words, I am. And whatever comes after I am is very powerful because a lot of people, they might be surprised to go, I am not good enough or I am, you know, not the best or whatever. And whatever you attach I am to is powerful. So I had to say, I am healthy. I am joyful. I am love. 
and whatever and just keep saying that over and over again like a mantra let it permeate all around your body into every cell and it's powerful you know our, we it's proven already through um, neuroscience that we can create new neural pathways in our brain to help with things like chronic pain or to help with illness and constantly if you tell yourself positive affirmations it takes time this is a year for a reason and a month a theme for you know somebody said to me recently I bought your book I read it the whole lot I loved it and, and she said I, you know I love it and why aren't you putting up all of that I'm only putting up one meditation um, a month and she said I want to do all the meditations I said I want you to go back to the beginning I want you to slowly read it and let it gently gently go into this very gentle book even if it was beside your bed and you just opened it up because I have lovely pages with quotes and lovely pictures so there's lots of pictures in it there's lots of quotes in it from people that inspire me and I mentioned Oprah Winfrey and then really old quotes and even if you just open on a quote let's see if we can get one here I'll see if I can get one okay this is a quote now from Roy T. Bennett and it's a beautiful picture of a bird flying and it says accept yourself love yourself and keep moving forward. If you want to fly, you have to give up what weighs you down. Mm. So there's quotes like that <clears throat> scattered out throughout the book. And it's really a nice book to touch and feel. I have to say, Gil books are amazing. They even give me a little ribbon, a blue ribbon. You can, time. and just leave it in there, as Andrea says, if you read a page, read a chat. Yeah. But slow down, do what she says. Are you listening? <laughs> the teacher is telling you today, take it slowly, month by month as well. Look, you cover areas, and I know we can't get them today, but I want to mention them. You know, don't compare yourself to others. Accept yourself. Realise who you are. Know your emotions. And you were talking earlier, your vibe attracts your tribe. I love that. That is so true. Well, do you know what? I couldn't believe it, right? The people who gave me cover quotes, like Patrick Bergen, and I don't know how the book got in his hands, but he got it got into his hands, and he wrote that it's a, a spiritual file of facts. Somebody who I'd really admire, like Nora Casey, who is a dragon, and she's yes. very tough. And she says, this book unleashes the power of you to successfully set goals for a happy, successful life. Um, Paul from Positive Life, who's interviewed people like um, Deepak Chopra and everything, he says a blueprint for creating the life you want. Alan Hughes, my good pal from Virgin Media, says it's a tonic. But the one I loved, Claudia Carroll, who I love her book, so I'm a big re- friend hers, you know, I love her. She said, it's not just a book to read, it's a Bible to live your best life by. And Bible, the Pope, I was just like, how is this happening? But I attracted that. So your vibe, my positive vibe obviously attracted that lovely yes. tribe in, which is incredible. Um, and many more. But listen... It's only just, it's a nice book. If, if some, maybe a friend of yours, you want to give a, li- a little friend a boost or you give it to yourself as a little present. You know, I think um, I think it would be nice. They're back in back in Eason. Would you believe it was sold out last week? We had our launch last week and Patrick Bergen launched it in Lily's before it closed. And it was sold out in Lily's, or in Lily's, it sold out in um, Eason. But it's back... Um, it's back this week in Eastern Okay, Dubai. and check your local bookshop. It will be there. Mind, Body, Soul, The Journal by Andrea Hayes. Let me say you light up my life uh. when you come calling to late lunch. Wish you well. Thanks for joining us today. It's great to see you. Thank you. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. For the next while on the show, we're going to talk about fostering and the need for foster parents. And I'm joined by a young woman 
who is a foster parent. She's a great story to her life and times, and I'm delighted she's joining me on Late Lunch this afternoon. Welcome to the show, Orla Crilly. Good to see you. It's great to see you. How are you keeping? I'm keeping very well. Let's find out a little bit about Orla Crilly before we move on to talk about the fostering. You're from Grange Bellew. I am, yes. Who were your parents? Um, so, Mam Vera Crilly and Dad Jerry Crilly, uh, both born and bred in, in that area. So, yeah, um, people would have, Dad was a mushroom farmer for years, so people might have known him through that. Or uh, Mam was actually also a foster parent as well, of course, with Dad. And so, I suppose that's what got me into it. And that's something I always wanted to follow on in their footsteps and do as well. How many children were in the family? In my family. So I'm the eldest of eight. And uh, yeah, seven of us come in the space of 10 years and then a 10 year gap to the baby. Oh, I'd say she's spoiled. What's her name? <laughs> her name is Lauren Crilly. <laughs> is she spoiled? Um, she would say no. The rest of us would say yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll say she is. So you'd have to be with that age gap. <laughs> now, your parents were well known people, as you said. You came from a loving, happy home. But sadly, your mum died relatively young, didn't she, Vera? Yeah, she was very young. She died at 45 of breast cancer, you know, so young. I'm 44, you know, so I'm not far off the age that mum died. And when you look at yourself in the mirror and go, oh, God, you know, this is, you know, and just think back that, you know, at this time in her life, she was sick. And, you know, it's it's just it's a crazy thing, you know, probably cancer outcomes mightn't have been as good 20 odd years ago, you know, so. Um, and they're a lot better now. So, but yeah, it was it was awful. Tough times. And your dad then stepped into the breach, Jerry, and he yeah. he became mum and dad to to the family, didn't he? He did. And dad was amazing. He was brilliant. But unfortunately, seven years after that, he got sick totally out of the blue, and um, he passed away within days of uh, brain hemorrhage. My God, you were really hit with shocking tragedy on on yeah. both counts when you reflect on it yes. and at that time Orla you were away you were in the States in Boston I was I'd been living away um, three years previous to daddy passing away um, and working out there and yeah so then when he did pass away I'd, I'd come home very very quickly and uh, um, kind of stepped in with my sisters to, to raise Laura and then at that point I made a decision that that's where I needed to be So home you come and you, you take over in the house and by the way just about your dad you did something very special with your dad's organs We did we, we actually donated dad's organs um, you you kind of have to die in a very specific way to be an organ donor so you have to be brain dead while the rest of you is working perfectly there's only about 70 people a year that actually go that way you know and fortunately that's that was dad but dad actually had been talking about organ donation in the year or two previous to it which you know he had said you know if 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 we're ever in that position that we should all donate and you know we can't take the bits which uh, and if it's going to help and change someone else's life that's definitely something we should do I mean he actually had that conversation months just months before he died and um, so immediately when we were approached we all just knew straight away that that's something you know that he would want and that we would want to support as a family yeah you can just think today that he lives on, you know, he the, does, the, the he, life he's given to others. Who yeah, and he, we, you actually, 
um, you're, you're, you deal with it like a transplant team and that and you, you don't have direct contact with any of the recipients but you do um, they can send you letters and we did receive a letter from we think it was Lady because she was talking about being able to eat chocolate again um, and I think she would maybe possibly Donegal or somewhere and she um, you know wrote and said how life changing she could actually do things she could never you know through dialysis and that she was never able to do before going holiday and stuff you know so you know that's just amazing that he would have went on to help somebody like that now, you're home, you're looking after your young sister, your life moves on. Do you get involved in any work or anything here? What do you do with yourself at that stage? Or is it just, you know, the home that to be looked after? Actually, no, I went back to college. I trained as a holistic therapist um, and I was working at that for a couple of years. Um, I got married, um, a man I'd met in Boston and we both had come home and then we reconnected while we were both back in Ireland. And then we got married and had a son then as well, as we had Lauren in the house and and my are we baby what's his name his name is Logan and he's 10 now <laughs> he's 10 now I think yeah. that name gives a clue as to where <laughs> exactly he was named after an airport how embarrassing for him and <laughs> away as they say <laughs> now you are at this stage you're on your own your marriage ended so you're looking after your son Yes, now after yourself. a few years, yeah, unfortunately things just didn't pan out, but that's that's life and we remain very good friends, so that's good. Um, but yeah, then I was a single parent with, um, in the house with Lauren and Logan. You've looked after your younger sister, you've come home and the house is your responsibility, you get married, you have a son and you think, well, you know, there's a lot going on for this woman here. <laughs> what on earth turns you towards fostering? My mum and dad had both fostered growing up, so um, so we had that experience of having foster siblings in the house and it was a good experience. And honestly, I think I probably knew it's something I wanted to do from when I was a teenager. Um, so I felt like I was mature enough then in my early 30s to be able to say, yeah, OK, let's let's start the ball rolling with this and this is something, you know, uh, we can do. How many children have you fostered at this stage? To date, I'm on number 10. Holy moly. And how many have you at the moment? So I've been doing it eight and a half years um, in the house. I have my son and I have three foster kids. I've had one little girl since she was a little baby, six months old. And she's, you know, she's like my own. She's an amazing wee girl. She's a brilliant character. And uh, Currently, I have another uh, a brother brother and sister who've been with me about 15 months. Um, one is, will be high-end disabilities as well. So that's a whole, that's a whole new ball game on top of everything else. But amazing, amazing kids. And the children you've had previously that have moved on from you do they still stay in contact with you yes they leave <laughs> they may they may move residents they don't leave uh, like boomerangs um yeah i've been in, in contact with all my kids um some live in dundalk um, i would talk to them um every day more or less uh, some are in Drada and um touch base with them here and there but you know we'll, we'll meet up and all my kids know that if they need me, I'm there for them. They just have to pick up the phone and ring me. And I, you know, I love all my kids. They're amazing and amazing stories and how they have overcome the difficulties in their life is, is they, my kids inspire me to keep doing it every day because of how they've been able to transform their lives and what they're achieving every day against, you know, what most people, an adult would be like, God, I couldn't do that. That's, you know, insurmountable odds. And what these kids have achieved just, just blows me away, you know, by just 
you know, given a safe, loving environment to a child, you can change, you can change anything. That child has the potential to fulfill all its dreams by just you being there, you being in the corner and them just feeling safe and loved. If you can take a child by the hand and say, I love you, I've got this, I'm going to help you. That's all any child needs to hear in this world. My God, aren't they lucky, <laughs> the 10 you've had and the ones that are with you currently, to have you as their foster mum. You do only foster girls, is that right? Um, no, not, but I, because I was a single mum, I, I did shy away from teenage boys. That was just a personal um, a personal reason. Um, and I just stayed with the girls. And now, I know, not that I don't have boys, I do. I have, you know, I have a boy now. Um, it just that I just thought for me it probably suited me just to have the girls a little bit better these are all things if you decide to investigate fostering you know these are all things you can you can you can make choices about it you're not just people you're not just sent a child and go oh here you go you know you have it's about what fits in with your family as well and you know if you also have other kids you know they have to be happy with who's coming in everyone has to get on you know and you know you might hit some rough patches but generally you know my kids are amazing you know some kids come in with no English uh, and the bonds and the you want to see the bonds between my son and the different kids that have come in and even with the disability child you know that was a new massive learning curve for me and the kids and how they've embraced that child and when they wake up in the morning and they all come in and give her a big kiss kiss and head morning and you know and the hugs when they go past her and hugging her and kissing her and I think it's amazing for my son he may if I hadn't fostered what he's learned about people and how he's learned to share and how it's made him a um a more loving uh, child that's going to go out into the world and hopefully maybe replicate some of what he's learned through his family life, you know. I can scrap the next question because, you see, you've answered it, Orla, for me already. Oh, no, I, I just sit here and look at you. <laughs> I know you've given off a lot, yeah, but it right. returns to you so much. It really does. And that's the message, is it, about fostering? Absolutely. Oh, my God. You know, I did a photograph um, on my sofa there recently and all the kids, the kids will, you know, will come in, come in to be visiting me and they'll all jump in. One wee girl comes in, she's five and she just comes in. I love you. I love you. I love you. And that's basically all she says when she sees me. <laughs> and she is stuck to me and she's hugging me. And I was sitting on the sofa and everyone piled on top of me. And I said, I need really massive arms. I, I had like five or six kids, all ages, on top of me, just hugging me and kissing me. And, you know, um, they're amazing. <laughs> And let me say, you are amazing too. I want to head to a short break on late lunch. I'm in the presence of a very special lady this afternoon. Orla Crilly is with me. She's a wonderful foster mum. And we're going to talk more about fostering after the break. And stay with us because you may be interested in getting involved. And they're looking for people to become foster parents at the moment. Back in a mo on late lunch. Orla, before we move on and you talk about the nuts and bolts of fostering, will you tell me the story of the Roma girl that came to you? different culture she didn't have any English so the first three months in the house we actually spoke French uh, social worker said to me oh you didn't tell us you speak French I was like I didn't really know that it was going to you know come into my whole fostering thing so you never know you don't know what skills that you have now that's going to be perfect for a child that may walk into your life you know she's an amazing girl she is out living independently now and she's 
she's got a family and she's an excellent, she's an amazing, amazing girl, amazing mother. You know, she's um, she's at college, you know, she's back. She's She wants, she really wants to be educated. She wants her kids to be educated. And it's, you know, that hasn't been an easy journey for her because it kind of goes against some of the cultural norms. So you really have to support that. And I think as a foster parent, you're not really, you're not just fostering a child, you're actually fostering a family. I'm I'm a big believer in taking, you take on the, the whole lot. But I think it's really important when you walk into a room and you meet the parents of a child that may have just have come to you, you're a total stranger to them. They don't know who you are. And I would go up and I'd give them a big hug and i say, as long as your child needs to be with me, they're going to be loved as much as any of the kids, my own kids as well. And they're going to be very safe. And, they're go- and you know, it's so important for the, for the families of the kids that they hear that because they don't know who you are. It's worrying for them to, to say, oh, who is looking after my child? What are they doing at night time? You know, are they safe? They don't know. It's really good to see that reassure that they get that reassurance. Um, it's good for the child to see that you have a little bond with the parent because they will they will go oh you know I see mommy talking to or daddy talking to the, to the, to to Orla and they must like each other so it makes it easier for the child to kind of attach onto you as well and go well mommy likes them so I can like them too it gives them permission to free up that you know that emotional space um you know and if th- things go on honestly it probably makes your life a little bit easier as well that you know if they took a dislike to you they might be giving out about you all the time <laughs> so if they like you you know the the, the transition between between the child and home is, is is just going to be easier and you know it just makes life happier for you you know as well it comes back what you're giving out there well it comes back to make your job easier in the long run as well so yeah I kind of think of fostering that way which might, makes me maybe a little bit unusual. <laughs> well, fostering, obviously, from what you say there, children are fostered for different reasons, from different circumstances as well, yeah. and at different ages. Mm. Um, for anyone listening today who's considering maybe looking at this from what you've said to us this afternoon, is it difficult to become a foster parent? What's the process? How do you get the ball rolling? The first place is actually get in touch with uh, Tusla. At the moment, for this area, there's a, a lovely, lovely lady called Sandra Minnick, and she is a social worker, but who's dealing exclusively with recruiting new social workers. Uh, you can uh, kind of ring her if you're in loud. She's on 042-939-2201 or through the Mead office at 46 And we might, we'll throw them out again later on. But Sandra is exclusively working um, to to talk to people who are interested in fostering at the moment. In On the 20th of February, we have an information night. And if you're not too bored of listening to me today, I'll be, that'll be, it'll be my first time I'm actually going to stand up at an information night and talk to people who are interested in fostering and answer any questions. Where but is that on? We don't have a location yet, but I presume it's going to be Dundalk, but that's that's okay, not granted. We'll have more information on yeah, the MFM. Sandra, if you ring Sandra, she'll be able to yeah. fill you in more. So you would initially point of contact with her. She is telling me that within two weeks now um, social workers will be in touch with you to start a, a process of um, assessment and that if you start now in the next couple of weeks you would actually could be fostering by the summertime which is pretty fast. It wasn't as fast to be honest with you eight years ago for me but um, yeah they really speeded up and they've worked they've worked on you know having that process more streamlined. 
Yeah, basically, it's a few interviews. You fill out some paperwork, tell them about your life. Or, you know, if you're doing it with a partner, with their life as well, they look at your relationship. Um, just chatting like you would just sit and chat to people, really. It's not it's not difficult. You know, people would find it maybe a little bit intimidating, but I find it really nice. And social workers that come out are lovely and it's just like sitting and chatting, just like meeting a new friend and telling them your life story, you know. But the assessment is a process. It has to be done. There is vetting and all that involved. And at the end of the day, they'll tell you whether you're suitable or not and they make an honest assessment on that. And they'll tell you early. They won't yeah. drag you through a whole process if they feel that it's not going to work out. By the time, if you're if you're progressing really too far, you're you know that's it's a very good sign that you're going to get a you know a positive outcome. So if you are thinking about it and go, mm, I've heard bad bad things about us. Honestly, I really say go with Tusla because they they you really will get the help and everything and the support that you need to be a foster parent. Okay, and of course there is a remuneration each week. You're not being asked to do this out of your own pocket or anything, and they'll talk to you about that as well. Yeah, and that is well covered there. All positive, great experience for you. So if you're interested, we'll have the numbers again available to you off 185715958. That's a very familiar number to our listeners. Rather than giving them out again, sure. we'll have them off that number. If you're interested in fostering, call in now to our main number and we can pass those details on to you. Brilliant. Just before you go, a couple of things. Go on. <laughs> First dates and Daniel, you <laughs> were on the television recently oh, and wow. you really hit it off the pair of you. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. What a lovely, lovely guy. And I was so glad that that was my date for the evening. We had so much in common. In fact, the waiter had to come waitress had to come over three times just to take her order because we were doing that much talk and we hadn't even looked at the menus. Um, we had an awful lot in common and it was great. Yeah, he was, he had two kids as well. So he was a parent. So we understood the whole parenting aspect of my life. Um, talked about music, you know, holistic stuff. Yeah, we, we had, we had a great evening. Unfortunately, that's kind of where it ended. <laughs> Um, but um, I'm, I'm glad it was him and he was a really nice guy so I'm glad but you know still single still looking <laughs> There's quite a big distance as well realistically yes. you have to say he lived on the south side of Dublin yeah. you're up in Dundalk yeah, When you well. have kids you're very much it's tied to easy. an area you know? Yes so we understand Anyone that. in the loud uh, LMFM area would be fine <laughs> Orla Crilly makes her pitch It's uh, second dates on late lunch this <laughs> afternoon The other thing is you're doing a bit of DJing yeah? Oh I do a bit yeah I'm, I'm really into my music so I love music so I kind of bought a rig a while ago and I kind of sat gathering dust for about a year and then I was like, that's it, I'm going to go out and do something. So what I'm thinking in my life, I, I like to, you know, do it for charity. There has to be a positive kind of... Uh, so this is winning on a few levels. I got to get out of the house for a night. <laughs> I got to socialise with some friends and I got to make money and get, and donate it to a charity. Yeah. So I do stuff like... I'd organise my own events. I would do an over-30s night, so a singles night. And then because I found that there is kind of a gap, people do find it hard. You know, the all the dating apps that we have at the moment, they're not the easiest and... It's hard to really judge from a picture if you would get on with someone in real life. So you don't you don't know that until you're in someone's company. So I did a few of them and just some other random nights. You never know where I'm going to pop up. <laughs> I can't talk about an all-rounder. And of course, you are 
a great fan of Dundalk Football oh, Club and what a few years you've had supporting the Lily Whites. Stephen's gone. Did you cry? I cried for three days non-stop. I just cu- I couldn't handle it. And I wasn't the worst, I have to say. Some of my friends cried for about a week and they were like, oh, I still can't. I'm still devastated. I still can't process. Um, yeah, and Stephen's an amazing man and, you know, a real champion for Dundalk and everything about Dundalk and, and the players and, you know, supports charities himself. Um, you might might look at him uh, getting him involved in our fostering campaign um, Why not? Now he's going to be the national manager in a couple of years but look at yeah. you have Vinny We have Vinny yeah and then Vinny's going to you know Vinny's been there at the club so he knows everybody inside out he's been doing the job with Stephen for the last couple of years and we didn't really know now lately when I've hearing him ta- heard him talking and um, I'm like okay yeah this this will be good we haven't lost any players uh, many players this season so and I just heard Andy Boyle's coming back as well so I think we're well set up for a, a good campaign this year fingers crossed I'm hoping to start a, a Lily Ladies Supporters Club so that's another thing on my agenda at the moment um, so shout out to any of the ladies um, who are interested in football for starters who maybe haven't went to League of Ireland games this will be you know a nice opportunity to do it and maybe in a more supportive female environment the staunch ladies that are already going to Oriel every week to give them maybe like a bit of connectivity and we could have a little kind of social club but I also want to support the ladies teams that are in Dundalk as well and um, yeah just to promote League of Ireland football in general as well because I'm very passionate I think it's an amazing thing to follow <laughs> You know I'm sitting here and I just think of a phrase that's oft used give a busy woman a task and she'll get it done and I think that sums you up all acrylic listen it's been a blast meeting you on the show today you're terrific you're inspiring may I say and if you're an example of what fostering is about well I'm sure they're going to be knocking the door down to get involved thank you for joining me thank you so much for having me The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. Jerry, I'm delighted to hear that Orla is following in Vera and Jerry's footsteps. They were absolutely lovely people. I knew them well, and that comes in from Mary in Grange, Grange Bellew. Orla Crelly, what a fabulous woman she is. And I so enjoyed uh, speaking to her this afternoon about uh, fostering. Imagine 10 children she's fostered. She's remarkable. She really is. Zoe Murphy, yes, you remember Zoe. She's a wee girl, and there's a lot of money required to help her walk again. Her appeal, yes, well, there's a big raffle happening in the Marshes Shopping Centre this Saturday and Sunday, both days between 12 and 5, and there'll be lots of people there selling tickets, 2 euro or 3 for a fiver, and what's more a few of the Dundalk Football Club crew will be there to do the draw at 5 o'clock on Sunday, so give them all your support for we Zoe Murphy in the Marshes this weekend, Saturday and Sunday between 12 and 5 Joe was on to say what a lovely guest you have on your show I think they're all lovely Joe aren't they really the the late lunch crew are fantastic but yet you're talking about Andrea Hayes who was with us earlier on he says Jerry God is in every one of us she's so right and listening to her is like listening to God and all he has taught us Uh, and remember he says God also told Moses when he asked his name I am. And of course, Andrea was saying about being saying things like I am great. I am positive. I am happy. I am healthy. Uh, and it was just great listening to her, says Joe. Joe, thanks for your message to the show this afternoon. Don't forget the number 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Or you can call in on 85 
sorry, on 1850-715-958 if you want to call in as well. Now, we're moving on on the show this afternoon and I'm delighted to welcome back for a first visit to us in 2019. It's Barbara Kelly. She's a counsellor and psychotherapist and she deals with your problems of a personal nature. Barbara, it's really good to see you again. Hello, Jerry. How are Thank you? you for joining me on the show. And we have questions lined up. And if you want to put a question to Barbara in confidence, you can email us at any stage, late lunch at lmfm.ie and we'll hold them over and pass them to Barbara to deal with when she comes to us. Or if you want to ask today, the numbers I mentioned a moment ago there. Let's begin with this one. Listen to this, Barbara. I'm married for almost 20 years with three children in their early teens. My wife told me at Christmas that she's been having an affair with a work colleague for the last 18 months. Honestly, I never suspected. She says she's in love again, happier than ever, but wants to stay with me to complete the rearing of our children. Should I kick her out or for the sake of the children, go along with our wishes for the peace of it? Mm. Yes. Now, there is a scenario, my God almighty, that that guy there mm. faces. What do you say to that? I'm sure people even listening, a knee-jerk reaction mm. already is, out the door with that woman. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's definitely, you would feel that kind of, you know, <gasps> the deceit and the, you know. And it, isn't it funny how this um, this gentleman's kind of initial feeling is, you know, do I just react and and throw her out or do I actually maybe put the kids first and you know let her stay to to almost you know even go through the motions of being a family so that the children can continue into adulthood and you can see where he's coming from in that but I suppose I would always come from the the perspective of you know if you really want to have happy happy healthy children so these are teenagers so they're transitioning from childhood into adulthood if you really want for them to be healthy and happy then the parents have got to be healthy and happy. And my sense in this is that, you know, for some people, an open style relationship where, you know, you can live together as a couple, but you can also have other relationships outside of that that union. For some people, they are both in agreement with that. And that's their business. And for some people, it works. This is not what's going on here. You know, we, we hear that this gentleman, you know, this idea of there was a secret relationship happening with the person he had made a commitment to for over a year, for a year and a half. And I think there's a lot of obviously hurt and deceit that he will have to deal with around that. And the fact that, you know, his wife is saying that she is now happy and she's now feeling maybe content, but that she would like to remain to continue raising the children. At the end of the day, you know, is this OK with him? Is he happy to continue with that? You know, maybe it's like a facade or... And my sense is that he's not. That he perhaps feels as if, you know, well, if I put the children's needs first. But by putting his needs first and realising that if he can really look and see what does he need... Is he okay with this? Is he not okay with this? Well, then the children will be okay. They will adapt as well. And the reality is that, you know, this lady has made choices. She has chosen to, you know, um, develop a relationship with somebody, kept it secret, has now come out and and spoken about it to her, her husband. And the reality for all of us is that when we make certain choices in our life, there are consequences to those choices. And in this situation, I am imagining that this gentleman is not okay with it to continue as it is. So part of the consequences are that, you know what, maybe they need to now sit down and come up with a new plan about how this is going to be. They may need to go and get some, you know, maybe support around that through mediation or or couple work, not with 
necessarily the the view of bringing them back together, but with a view of how do we proceed into the future? What way is this going to work? Where will you live? Where will I live? All of that needs to be done and they may need to get support around that so that both people come out the other end. You never get both people feeling 100%, you know, that, you know. What about the children there? There are uh, children in their early teens. Three of of them there, Mm. you know what I mean? They're at a vulnerable age as well. They're Mm. growing up. Uh, I actually think it would be more confusing for a young adult, a child, whoever, to continue living in a situation where, you know, for in this example, mommy has another relationship outside and daddy, you know, is perhaps not happy. Maybe there's arguing, maybe there's an underlying kind of, you know, that energy of just Mm. resentment or hostility. If that's the situation going on, that's more confusing and more damaging for children. You know, if a relationship breaks down whilst it is very sad... Children will adapt and get over that situation and continue to grow if their parents deal with it. Okay, and this has to be dealt with. I know uh, on a personal basis here, I don't know, I just couldn't continue with that scenario. You know, to say that I want to continue this relationship, that woman wants her cake and Mm. eat it as well. You know, really, when when you listen to that. It would be really interesting, Jerry, to hear the ladies' point yes, of view. Yes, uh, uh, you know, yeah, there is two sides to every business. But at the same yep. time, it still comes down to the same issue when it comes to the children. Mm. And that would be, you know, the best scenario for children always in families is mm. to have healthy, whether it is one parent parenting alone, but if there are two parents parenting, that they somehow can work through their issues so that they can get that sort of team yes. element that mm. they are both feeling content. My God, like it's a, it's a very difficult situation yeah. for that man there, you know, to, to accept that his wife is in love with somebody else, yeah. wants to stay under the same yeah. roof with him. I think most guys, if they found themselves in that situation, would say, good luck. Yeah, but you know, it's quite telling that he's even in the situation that he's considering it. So I would wonder whether perhaps his own self-esteem is feeling really mm. knocked. Maybe he is feeling as if he's kind of being controlled into making mm. these sorts of decisions. So certainly for a gentleman like this, I would say, you know what, maybe he needs to go and talk to somebody and mm. get a little bit of support around, you know, what's going on with his self-esteem that this might be OK with him. That's an interesting point you make there. So this has to be worked through by yeah. both of them, a decision yeah. come to, it's yeah. either stay or and out. Both people need to be comfortable with the decision. It can't be one person feeling mm. that I'm happy now, I'm content. Both this, must have you, an You said there early on, there, there are relationships that work like this. Where, Absolutely, But yeah. it's generally on both sides where two people yes. have an open relationship. Uh, yeah, they and do often their own they thing. form like that from the very start. Yes. Usually you will find mm. that two people will, will become, you know, in, in a relationship that is open, that other um, people can be involved, that, you know, whatever di- the dynamic is, you will find that both people in that relationship are absolutely fine with it. And mm. that's a very different scenario. To this uh, situation here. Okay, yeah. let's move on to another one. I was married for 30 years, but my wife passed away three years ago. We have two adult children uh, who are both married and five grandchildren who I love deeply. I met this lovely woman a year ago and we started going out and went off on a holiday last summer. It's been great. But I've managed to keep it a secret, another secret coming up here Mm. until now. This woman herself is widowed four years but has no children. We have separate homes and all is well. I want to tell my family and introduce her to them, but I'm unsure if living together would be the right move for her or me. So obviously that is uh, being considered at the moment. What should I do? Isn't it interesting? I always think 
when I work with clients, I always focus on the words that clients use. And here we have the word secret. And to me, secret sort of implies that perhaps this gentleman feels that it needs to be hidden or there's something maybe wrong or, you know, not quite right about what's going on. Is the guilt there, you know, it, even still, even might, though he's, his wife has passed? Look, you know what? Isn't it wonderful to think that in this life you may get two chances of feeling love and joy and happiness, no matter what age you are? Isn't it a wonderful idea to think that? And perhaps this is, you know, this this gentleman is having this opportunity of, of having love again. But at the same time, you can understand that he is being sensitive and he is considering the feelings of his family. His adult children. Yeah, but that, you know what, that's it. They are adults. They are now grown. They have their own lives, their own families, their own children. So, you know, it's not uh, the same perhaps as the other scenario where we've got perhaps younger children who are that more reliant. But at the same time, of course, you are still sensitive. And, you know, it's it's my sense from reading this is that you know, this gentleman is is ready to move on to this new aspect of his life. And it's wonderful that he is. But it is understandable that he wants to shield the, the feelings of his family. So in this situation, I would say, you know, he has a right to be happy. He has a right to get on with his life and, and, and do all of that. He absolutely deserves that. But he he also wants to be sensitive. So maybe it's about saying, right, let's take this slowly. He has had, what is it now we're saying, a year or so to come around to this idea that he's ready to move on. Mm. His family perhaps are completely unaware that he is now ready to move on. So you're better breaking the news. Because (laughs) really, what what are you worried about? Well, he, he, so he's had that year or so to come around and be ready. So for that reason, I would say, look, do take it slowly. He's dead right that he's not, you know, necessarily hasn't rushed in the moment he met this lady and, and said it. So maybe the idea is, you know, maybe introduce the idea to the family. Let them know that there is somebody that he is now involved with. Introduce the idea and then hopefully maybe even introduce her. Maybe even they might develop some type of a relationship if that's appropriate. They don't have to. That's not what this is about because they are now grown. But maybe they will like to make some connection. But I think the idea of, you know, and then let them know that we're all moving in together, that may be a little bit too much because as I said, he's had a whole year to come around to this they don't know this. So it's about easing them into the idea that there is another person, that he is now ready for that. And it doesn't mean he doesn't love their mother, but that he is ready and that he also deserves this element of happiness. So what you're saying, Barbara, today is uh, you've kept this covert for, for the mm. time, nearly a, a year or more now. That introduction must happen. She must be introduced. That all broached first before the issue they have their own places and they live in their own yeah. homes. Just put that on the back burner put for a Put that on the back because and the reason I am saying to put you know to consider just holding off a little bit on that is because it is very apparent that this gentleman he's a family man. Yeah. He's really considering their feelings. He's you know he loves his grandkids that that is such an important part of his soul that you can kind of see that, you know what to respect that you really want to tr- tread gently but at the same time he is absolutely right. He deserves this happiness. Barbara Kelly is with us on Late Lunch. She's a counsellor and psychotherapist. If you have a question for her, and she's with us regularly now on the show, you can email it to us, latelunch at lmfm.ie. Come in over the social media, which in confidence, if you want to call in today, 1850 or WhatsApp us on 086-1800-658. And that's the text number as well. More questions for Barbara after the break. You can ask her the question by email. If you want to send us in a letter or whatever way you want to do it, we love to hear from you. Dear Barbara, start 
started like that and Barbara Kelly will answer when she's with us on late lunch. Listen to this one, Barbara. Our dad left us 10 years ago to move in with another woman. My mother became mum and dad to the four of us and we've had little or no contact with him since. In fact, he's been ostracised by all of us and for very good reason. However, he's now extremely ill and wants to reconnect with us sooner rather than later. I'm torn as to whether I should meet him. My mother has no objection, but my other three siblings have said absolutely not. What should I do? Again, I went back and I had to look through this again and I just looked at the words, you know, ostracised and for a very good reason. And I'm wondering, you know, whether a lot of these sort of this this sense that we're getting from this is that whether it's spoken or unspoken, there can be, you know, this sense in a family that this is the decision that has been made. You know, maybe feeling very sort of resentful or sad or angry or hurt that something. And look, there may be major abandonment issues around here for people. And... You know, so there's definitely there's there's already almost like a blueprint being put down there, perhaps for a long time around this family. And now and this happens a lot, you know, when somebody is faced with this very big life event, which is death (laughs) because it's part of life. And now everybody might reassess things. And I would say in, in this, you know, it. I hear that the, the, the dad wants to reconnect, but the siblings don't. And we have somebody here who's caught in that kind of, like, well... Yes, one does. There's obviously one person. One and, does. And, and that, be it boy or girl, mm. man or woman, feels that... I'm sure they feel they may want to, but they're worried about the ramifications be, with the other three yeah, in the family. There could be that sense of loyalty. There could be a sense of, you know, loyalty on both sides, you know, and being torn and being pulled. What I would say to anybody in this situation is, you know, just to stop for a minute. You're having all these voices coming at you. And that's something that happens a lot when we're in situations that we have major decisions to make. Lots of people come out with all their advice is to stop for a minute and just say, right, what do you want? Be motivated to whatever the decision you come to around, you know, what you want. Connect with your father if you want to, not because you're motivated to keep him happy. Not because you're motivated to not do it to keep your siblings happy. Leave all of that to one side. And that even itself, you might be left kind of going, well, right, well, what do I actually want? So, you know, things like, what would you get from it? What would it fulfil for you if you did have this opportunity, however amount of time is left? So maybe even doing things like, you know, maybe visualise for a little bit, you know, when he is gone, what are the questions that you would love to have maybe had answered or have you questions? Have you got maybe you want to say some things? What is it that you really feel you would get from this opportunity and come from that place, you know, and take it at your pace? Do not be pressured by either side in all of this. And I think it almost does feel like sides when we talk about it. And maybe start very, you know, slowly by um starting with maybe letters to each other so that there isn't that intensity either because this is a very emotive situation and maybe start off with letters and get a very sort of a basic foundation there and then see, well, do you know what? Actually, maybe I do want to meet with this person or maybe they might feel I've said what I need in that letter. I got maybe an answer in, a, in, in, in the reply. I actually don't need anything else. But it is very important that this person comes from what they need. They can't change the past. And sometimes we're driven, you know, to meet with somebody to fight and get justice. And But actually, at the end of the day, we can't go back. So it is about in this moment, what do you feel you need 
do you need to have something? And look, let's be honest, maybe this could be a sense of closure as well. Because if this person is nearing their end faster than, you know, we would we would wish, this might be the opportunity to feel that the circle has been completed. Because, you know, I think it's it's very toxic to hold on to that kind of energy if you're still maybe angry or hurt or have resentful. So maybe this is an opportunity for this person to shift that energy and say, I'm going to do it for me. I want closure. I want to just feel that I'm at peace with this. But that decision has to come from that person. And, you know, as you say there, this is a scenario that arises, uh, I, I'm sure, for so many oh, people yeah. because the situations change, a big life event, as you say, yeah. somebody facing their mortality and it's going to come round. And, it's sort of, it's like it, it kind of flushes yeah. everything to the surface and you have to make some really big decisions. You can't just keep you know, brushing it under the carpet, you have to actually say, right, maybe time is limited. I need to make some decisions very quickly. So in that case, it's like, right, go back to what is good for me. Just as an aside, it's a short one here. It's just come to us. Barbara, my son is absolutely terrified of getting a school booster injection. Is there any way from your professional point of view, I can ease his concerns and talk of my son uh, is six the oh, little yeah, fella is six yeah. what, what do you do in that scenario you know with a six year old fear yeah. absolute fear oh, of yeah and look sure look where do most people's fears come from in their childhood yes, they tend to be yes. something and maybe he has a fear around mm. you know needles or whatever I would definitely try to find out what is the issue is he maybe it's, it might be the unknown mm. and often I've, I've worked with a lot of parents who, whose children are struggling with anxiety and anxiety is all about projecting into the unknown the future what might happen what could happen so I would suggest maybe that this mom tries to pinpoint if it is something that might have happened before maybe he had a very poor experience in the past with a doctor or with you know in hospital the the, the parent here will know so mom or dad could c- try and work out right is this something to do with the past or is it actually to do with the unknown if it's to do with the past you know what he will hold on to that fear until he gets into a situation where he realizes oh that wasn't as bad as the last time but what often happens we avoid so how many only now, the fact it's a booster, maybe mum or dad will have to kind of push through this. But a lot of the time we kind of go, ah, look, let him off, leave him, he's upset, whatever. And we avoid it and it builds and builds. For this situation, I would say, have a think about, is this maybe triggering something that happened before? And maybe you need to just be calm and maybe do little things like, you know, talk to the school if it's been done in the school. Or maybe actually, do you know what? Maybe he could get it done at the GP surgery instead mm. Something maybe that is more controlled for you and for him. Bring him, talk, sit with him, be there. So that might help. But if it's actually projecting about he doesn't know what it is, but he doesn't like the thoughts of it, little things can happen. You can do, you know, uh, maybe get a a nurse to talk through what it is, show everything that's going to happen. Now, that may still, you know, make the little fella a bit scared but often anxiety is about worrying about something in the future and it grows and grows and grows out of proportion Perfect, thank you so much I have other questions about a teenage daughter that's going out with somebody the family don't like people sharing a house temporarily with some uh, in-laws we'll come back to them with Barbara next time round I promise you for the moment Barbara Kelly thank you very much for joining me on the show Thank you Jerry. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. 
back to the Moore brothers, Tom Owen and Matt. You know, they were as famous as the Kardashians in the era of the silent movies in the 20s and on into the 30s when the talkies began as well. The Timmins family are also from Fordstown. They go back generations and Kenny's on the line with me this afternoon. Hello, Kenny. Hello, how are you doing? I'm very good. Thanks for taking our call today. No problem. You're very familiar with the Moors. You have hundreds of photographs, have you, of them? I have. I researched them all online. I've been um, I've been researching them for a couple of years now, and I've built them up as I went along. There's a lot of stuff online about them. Okay. We, we, we mentioned yesterday the family emigrated 1896, was it? They, they headed for America. But they left something with your family. What was that? They left an old um, a book, a, a hymn book or a mass book, which was very, um, it was a sacred thing to do back then. People, if you taught a lot of someone, you would you would give them this, you know. It was, it was, there wasn't much money around back then, so yeah, um, it was a very sacred thing to do if you if you were really close to somebody. Yeah, so it was it was sort of a custom if people were emigrating to leave that behind with somebody in the area. Was that it? It was a token of, you know, of appreciation and... Yeah. You do it to a very close friend. Okay, so obviously your family were very close to the Moors. Yes, and um, there was an old road. Some of it is still there today, but it's not used. It's all closed in, so it cuts across the Cartown Road in Fortstown and the new line. So my grand- great-grandparents' house were on the edge of this road, and if you walk straight across as the crow flies, the moors were only a hundred yards over. So you they, can actually uh, pinpoint the site of the moors' family home. Yes, more or less. We actually, if you follow that lane over and cross the new line, we have a, a little plot there. It's called um, Clotten Garden, and we think that it was given to us or bought off the moors that we that uh, we acquired that from the moors mm. there's no other explanation it's not connected to any other of our lands and it's right where the moors lived and i suppose it's been passed on from generations my uncle told me that it was the moors lived in the corner of that garden mm. along with a couple of other houses and when i was up digging in that garden one day i found an old round thing for wheeling carts so there was a forge there as well okay and is there anything that would suggest remaining of the structure of their house? Is is that no. too? Is that a long shot, really? That's a long shot. Now I remember researching online somewhere at an old Griffith evaluation or something, and you can kind of trace up the road the family names and the Moors were. Mm. I, I I kind of look trace them to there, but okay. it's kind of been passed on from mm. my uncle. So my uncle's uh, mother would remember them. Yes. Okay, so so I had I had an old photograph at home. My uncle gave it to me, and I couldn't figure out who it was or what it was because the woman in it had a really lovely big hat and a big furry coat. Um, and until a couple of months ago, I was online and I found for the first time I found a photograph of Mary Moore, and that's who who the photograph is that we have. So you have that actual photograph of Mary. I can't find it. Huh? Damn! It's, it's somewhere. In the back and all in pencil or pen. Yeah. Okay, and so, that was her. All those years you had, you wondered who it was. Might it be her? And you did confirm that it is her. I hope you can put your hand on it so- someday. Because she she died rather young, but she married into royalty, yes? 
she became lady. Um, I'm not sure. She joined the Red Cross. And when she died in 1919, was around World War One, I'd say, in France. Mm. And she was buried with full military honours. Now, she did, she married, she gave up the films, and she married and became Lady something or other. I can't remember what it is. She could have moved to England, either England or France. Okay. And Turtle Bunbury told us yesterday she died from the Spanish flu. It was rampant around that time, and it claimed an awful lot of lives as well. And and she yeah. died all too young. You also have pictures of of Joe when he was younger, when he was much younger. Yeah, I found Joe online. I had a trouble finding Joe. Joe also died very young. He drowned. Yeah. So there is films earlier on of him. These these guys did most of the movies in the 1910s and 11. Mm. The, the pictures you have there, and some people are looking at her of the talkies, they call them, and they're in the, the, the 30s. Yeah. They weren't successful as talkies. They were silent movies. Okay, that was the forte, that era then. Yes, definitely. Um you know like the, the purpose of all this is to uh, attempt and people have you know we have to give credit where credit's due the plaque is there uh, the people have been researching it I know Stephen Ball from the Bohemian Historical Society he's involved in a project as well but you know something these guys are very very famous people there's an opportunity for Fordstown here isn't there Kenny? Absolutely yeah there's five of them people are saying there's three there's mm. five movie stars there's five of them that made movies and they made hundreds of movies mm. like Joe even Joe I have pictures of Joe there I'd say he's no more than six or seven in the movies right little fella uh, little fella yeah mm. and um, you'll also notice that um, Owen Moore married Mary Pickford who was a successful actor he separated from her and he went on and married another successful actor actress sorry and um Tom Moore married a successful actress. He divorced and married another actress. Matt Moore married an actress. He had a daughter. She was an actress. So they were all famous. And if you look at the pictures, they're all acting with each other in different. Tom is with Mary Pickford and Owen is with Mary Pickford and Owen is with Tom and all three are together. So they all acted together Mm. in different movies at different times. Do you reckon there are living relatives in the States? There has to be. Hmm. This is great. <laughs> this is Definitely great. I know, I know Matt Moore had a daughter and she was an actress. So okay. I'm sure there's a, tr- there's a family gene. Or yeah, we have to get onto this on the other side and start the, yes. the work over there to try and, and trace them. Because, uh, you know, this is, this is a great, great story. And the revival of their memories is, uh, is something that really could make a difference, as I said, to me than Fordstown. And to make that link again with Hollywood back from the beginnings of, the, of, of Hollywood, like with the black and white and the silent films and, and everything. This kicks off every so often. So it's after kicking off again because there's a new movie out. Is it A Star Is Born? Yep. So Owen was in that with me. That's right, the original. We spoke about that yesterday. And it's actually in the cinemas as we speak now. It's the third or fourth remake of the movie. But you're right, Owen was in the original of this. Well, look, we're trying to do our our, our wee bit here in talking to you again today, Kenny, and yesterday. And this will continue, I'm sure, as well, to to really paint the picture of these guys. And and this time, make the revival really happen. So look, all I can say is about remaining houses. My great-great-grandparents' houses how still remains and they used to call there and there was a place in at the fireplace where you could sit you used to come and sit there I remember my uncle telling me those stories mm. so that, that is there still there. yeah that's great there. 
Yeah, I have a photograph of it on the LMFM. Website. Brilliant, yeah, it's all up on our social media as well. Yes. Listen, Kenny, thanks for adding, adding so much today. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Kenny Timmins from Fordstown, remembering the Moore brothers. And his family has those actual links. Now, Louise, you have more commentary there on the Moors. Do you want to uh, read a few of the messages we got? Um, yeah, one woman rang in yesterday to say where uh, their aunt Katie Carey's bungalow is in still in existence just outside the village of Fordstown. And we have a relative of the Moors who rang in. Val Carey. Right. He's from Rathkenny and he would be related to uh, Rosanna Carey, who would have been their mother who went to America. Okay. Um, now, he said that they're, most of them are in Rathkenny, all the Carries. He's not too sure how uh, Rosanna and her family ended up in Fordstown, but they had a farm beside the Moors there. And when Rosanna married a Moor, he reckons the farm was all joined up in the Carries' name. Okay. Now, Unfortunately, he says he um, his grand aunt died in 1973 and they were going through her things in her house and they came across all these photos. And one was a very handsome man that they had no idea who it was until the internet arrived and they were able to see that it was Matt Moore. Oh. And another aunt died in 2012 and she met Tom in when he visited Rakkenny in the late 1920s when he came home. But unfortunately, he said he's tried to track down ancestors in the US because Tom's daughter, Alice, um, was over there. But she died in 1960 and he can't find anyone else. Establish if she had any children Mm. or uh, the trail goes cold there. Yeah. Well, look, it may go cold. That's the reality of this. Uh, There may not be, but there could be. You just never know. We'll have to try. We're going to have to try and get a contact on the other side of the Atlantic in the States. And and I know we have people listening to us on the East Coast of the States. They do this time every day. And we have very good friends there. Maybe they're listening today and they can help us with this or point us towards somebody in the genealogy uh, field over there that might be able, if we give them as much information as we can and see what would happen, wouldn't it be great to make a link, Louise? Wouldn't it just be brilliant to find somebody? And there could well be. We won't write it off at this stage. I just want to read something from um, the Freeman's Journal of the 25th of November, 1922. And this is Tom Moore talking. He says, my plans... Well, I'm going down to the place where I was born near Kells and see if anyone remembers me. I don't suppose anyone will because Dad took us, all six of us, away to America about 27 years ago and settled down in Toledo, Ohio. But though so many years have passed and I have but the faintest memories of my birthplace, I've heard so much from him that I'm sure I can walk up to some of the oldest inhabitants and call them by their first names. And I can find the boring, we were talking about that just a moment ago, that led off the main road to the old home with my eyes shut, he said then. And that was all because friends came and took him away. But one of these days, perhaps, uh, this is going on. That was the quote there. And then it goes on to say, um, one of these days, perhaps, when he sees the old home and the oldest inhabitant, Tom Moore will have a story of how he rose from Fordstown to Enchanted Circles in Movie Land. That's a lovely little piece there from the uh, Freeman's Journal, dated the 25th of November, 1922. So he was going back to Fordstown to see if he could find his place or his people there. So uh, interesting, interesting indeed. I'll say it to you again. 
if you know anything of the moors from Fordstown, if you missed us yesterday listening today or hearing this, we'd love to hear from you. If you can paint any more of this picture, put the pieces together. And once more, if you're the other side of the Atlantic, that's where we want to turn our attentions now to see if something will happen over there or can we unearth something about them. God, it's terrific. It really is. Little do you know, Louise, do you? Look at the... It could be gone and lost forever. But as Kenny was saying there, the movie in the cinemas, A Star is Born Again, has sort of brought this to the fore. But you were onto it before this movie, weren't you? But Jerry, even <laughs> if even if the trail does die, mm. like there, there's a movie in them. Mm. really isn't there mm. like it's a real rags to riches story from it farming to all five of them mm. boosted to the yeah you know the top of their game yeah unbelievable there really is when, when, when you see you know Laurel and Harry were mighty famous as well but we do say to you again the Moors were superstars in the day back then they really really were and uh they were drifting from memory, forgotten about, but by God, they're back centre stage now and it's in the national media today. We broke it here on late lunch yesterday afternoon and you're going to hear more about it, I'm sure, over the coming days. This will run and run. But we're going to work, aren't we? You are certainly, Louise. Yeah, and when you we're put Louise, When you put Louise on the scent of the Cookstown, says the look out. <laughs> She'll find out what's to be found out. Anyway, that's a lot on late lunch for this Thursday afternoon. Have a lovely evening. Back tomorrow. Women with opinions, lots to chat about. See you then. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk, beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.